Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello, friends. Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America, where we gather each night with patriots and fellow disciples of Christ from across the country, and we pray for this great country. We're going to start as usual, with scripture and uh, a prayer. We want to pray for your intentions, too. So let me know during the course of the program in the comments what those intentions are, what your needs may be. And we want to all pray for each other. We also want to pray uh, for the continued progress of our nation in building a culture of life. And I want to answer tonight in our program a uh, question that came in from one of you, and, it, and it's about, in terms of voting, why is the protection of innocent life the fundamental voting question? I want to go through a couple, a couple of the reasons why that's true and uh, show you uh, how so many people across America are putting life first and why, how that reasoning process works and why they are doing that in the political arena. So let's begin with uh, Luke uh, chapter 11, starting with verse 5. And Jesus said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend to whom he goes at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived at my house from a journey, and I have nothing to offer him. And he says in reply from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked and my children and I are already in bed. I cannot get up to give you anything. I tell you, if he does not get up to give him the loaves because of their friendship, he will get up to give him whatever he needs because of his persistence. And I tell you, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. What father among you would hand his son a snake when he asks for a fish, or hand him a scorpion when he asks for an egg? If you then who are wicked know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Let us pray. Father, send us that Holy Spirit. Jesus, send us the greatest of gifts, your Spirit. Help us to know your law, to follow it. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray for America. We pray for all the needs of our country, and particularly that you would give us a culture of life. Because, Lord, in among the many ways that our public policies have strayed from your law, the most egregious is when they directly allow the killing of the innocent. And, Lord, we know that babies are always innocent. There is never a justification for killing a baby. And, Lord, we ask you to strengthen us in that awareness, just like there is never a justification for killing any innocent person in any circumstance. So, Lord, free us from the scourge of abortion and of the culture of death. Enable us, Lord, to understand how this translates into our voting. 
Enable us, Lord, to elect public servants who know the difference between serving the public and killing the public. And Lord, by that wise and widespread voting choice, help us to abolish this Holocaust once and for all. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, friends, the United States Supreme Court has given us now a new opportunity to do exactly what I just prayed about, and that is to bring protection to the youngest, weakest, smallest members of our society. Why would this issue of whether or not public policy will allow abortion be the fundamental point that shapes our voting choices. Why would that be? Now, I'm not saying that it's necessarily the issue uppermost in people's minds, because if you're going to get gas in your car and it's an outrageous price, if you're going shopping in the supermarket and you're not even finding what you need because of the way that the Democrats have messed up our our society, uh, well, then that's going to be uppermost on your mind and you might not have any personal involvement whatsoever with abortion. So we're not talking about when we say a primary issue, we're not talking necessarily about uh, the fact that this would be weighing or not be weighing heavily on your mind or getting most of your attention at the moment. As a matter of fact, as we know, a lot of of conservative voters, a lot of of those who vote in in the MAGA movement or who voted for President Trump, a lot of people who vote consistently for Republican candidates They've worked out this issue in their minds a long time ago, just like they would never vote for a terrorist, just like they would never vote for uh, somebody who, uh, who hates America. It's like it's not necessarily something that you're thinking about every day. It's something that you've thought about and you've already filtered out those kinds of candidates. And and, 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 I'm, and I'm convinced that that's what happens among us. We are all pro-life, and we understand we're not going to vote for somebody who's advocating the killing of babies any more than we want to vote for somebody who's advocating the killing of anybody else or, or advocating crime in our communities. So I think that, that in our movement, we've got essentially a, a, a process of, in, of, of eliminating right from the start a whole category of candidates on numerous issues, just eliminating them right from the start. And then we begin the process of, of, of evaluation among the candidates who are left. And we start looking at what's impacting us most and what's motivating us most to vote in a particular way. Now, there is a, a significant segment of the electorate for whom abortion is a deciding issue. And based on different pollings, you know, you might see 20%, 25%, even 30, I've seen 30 or more percent, who say abortion is a very important issue in my vote. And in fact, within that group, you'll have a significant number saying that the candidate I choose must agree with my position on abortion. Again, that still doesn't mean you're going to put it at the top of the list if you're just asked what are the most important issues to you in this election because you've already made the pre-selection process a long time ago. And even if you're not thinking about it every day, you know you're not going to vote for a pro-abortion candidate. That having been said, what I'm analyzing here is 
why would why would some candidates position on abortion be the number one factor to take in mind if you're going to exclude that person well let me give you a couple of those reasons first of all it has to do with the purpose of government the only the first and only legitimate object of good government thomas jefferson said is the protection of life why does the declaration of independence when it talks about the self-evident truth that we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights why does it start with life it does start with life and when a right is unalienable that means i can't throw it away and nobody else can take it from me right it's unalienable it cannot be alienated from me as a person the first is life simply because in the order of reality without life you can't enjoy any of the other rights and this is point number one life is first in the order of reality even before you figure out the order of priority for your voting in the order of reality you require life and you require the protection of life for the protection of all your other rights otherwise you end up with an absurd position of a candidate who's willing to give you the best education plan in the world but is eliminating some of the children who would benefit from that education before they come out of the womb. You deprive the child of her right to life in the womb, you've deprived her of her education. You kill the baby before birth, you've deprived him of the right to vote. You eliminate the child by abortion, and you've taken away their protection and their national security. You take everything away when you take away their right to life. The reason life is mentioned first before liberty and the pursuit of happiness is that dead people can't have liberty and people who've been killed can't pursue happiness. That's why it's a fundamental common sense reason. So life is at the foundation. It's the prerequisite, the foundation, the condition for every other right that we enjoy. So don't, people shouldn't, you know, don't let them get away with saying, you know, when you say that you're pro-life or when you say that you take abortion into account in your voting positions, don't let others get away with saying to you, oh, but there's many other issues. We all know that there's many other issues. The question is not, is this the only issue? The question is, what is the foundation of every issue? What is the heart and the core of every issue? It's life. Take any issue and ask the question, why is it important? Why does it matter? Why is poverty important? Why is it important to fight poverty? Well, because people have a right to food and clothing and shelter. Well, why do they have a right to food and clothing and shelter? Well, because they have a right to live. Unemployment, is that an important issue? Well, of course it is. President Trump gave us a record number of people in America who were actually working during his administration, broke all records. Why is unemployment an issue in the first place? Well, because people have a right to work. Why do they have a right to work? Because they have to make a living. Why do they have to make a living? Because they have a right to live. Why is national security an issue? Well, because people have to have to be protected. Why? Because they have a right to live. Everything comes down to the right to live. Everything comes down to the dignity of the human person. Everything boils down to the sanctity of life. When you ask about any issue whatsoever, 
If I ask about the temperature on the rings of the planet Saturn, that might be an interesting astronomical question, but it isn't an issue unless somehow it can be shown that it's impacting or threatening or benefiting human life. Okay, so that's point number one. Life as the foundation, the prerequisite of all our other rights. But here's point number two. Friends, we all know that many, many things take human lives. Various diseases, you look up online, various causes of death, many different kinds of acts of violence. But what takes more life than anything else? The number one cause of death in America and in the world actually is abortion. Because every abortion, by definition, is ending a human life. Nothing ends more human lives than abortion. Just look it up. Now, the Alan Guttmacher Institute is the best source of abortion statistics because they get them directly from the places that do the abortions. The Centers for Disease Control keeps statistics also, but their numbers are much lower than Guttmacher, and both numbers actually are lower than the reality because the CDC is a passive recipient of numbers from the State Departments of Health and the state that does the most abortions in America, California, doesn't report its numbers to the CDC. A couple of other states don't report either. So you have uh, a, a much lower number of the Centers for Disease Control. But you look at Alan Guttmacher Institute, you're talking about, right, at this point, just under a million a year. Look up online the, the major causes of death, heart disease, cancer. They, they, don't, they don't approach a million. They don't approach the numbers uh, that are taken by abortion. In America and in the world, not war, not disease, not crime, certainly not gun violence, certainly not climate change, are taking more lives than abortion. Nothing. So just from the point of view of arithmetic, this becomes a number one priority issue. Just from arithmetic. So we looked at Logic, foundation of all the other rights. We look at arithmetic, nothing is taking more life. Now let's look at the victim. Nobody is more defenseless than the child in the womb. Now, who needs the most defense? The person who is most defenseless. If a person can defend himself or herself, we still need to help them if they're in danger. But the person who doesn't have any defense whatsoever needs to get the help even more. That's why there's an urgent priority and attention needed on this issue of abortion because nobody's more defenseless than a child in the womb. Nobody's smaller. The baby is dependent even to the point of, for a long time in the pregnancy, not being able to survive outside the womb. And it's interesting to me, it's always struck me as odd that some who defend abortion will use the fact that the baby can't survive outside the womb as a justification for killing the baby. Seems to me that's just a justification for protecting the baby. If the baby needs to be in the womb to survive, why would you take him out? If the baby needs to be in the womb to survive, isn't that an argument for making sure he or she stays there? But in any case, 
it's clear that nobody is more defenseless. The baby cannot speak, cannot write, cannot vote, cannot protest. The baby doesn't yet even know how to pray. If somebody is attacked, if somebody is 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 captured and 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 uh, kidnapped, or if somebody's in some kind of desperate situation and they don't know how to get out of it, at least they can pray. The baby doesn't even know how to pray yet. The baby doesn't even know what danger he or she might be in. They're in the comfort and safety of the womb, which should be the world's safest place, but has become the world's most dangerous place. Because of the fragility of the victim, because of the dependence of that child, this indeed has become the number one issue, priority, attention. Again, it's not that doesn't mean it's the number one issue practically on your mind today. That's probably, uh, again, the price of gas and groceries. But it's the number one question of the political uh, in the political community is who belongs to the political community. Whom are we going to provide the protection of the law, the protection of the rest of us for people? To whom are we going to provide it first? those that need it most. All right, we're going to take a little break here. I want to show you a, uh, a spot that uh, talks about another angle of the pro-life movement. I'm privileged to be the pastoral director for this worldwide project that Priests for Life and Anglicans for Life co-sponsor. It's called the Silent No More Campaign. And it is about those that have had abortions and are speaking out. After we show you this spot, I want to come back and talk about a couple of additional reasons why the problem of abortion deserves our number one urgent priority attention, especially in the voting booth. We'll be right back. Watch this spot. Powerful new voices are arising in the debate over abortion. The voices of those who have actually experienced it. From coast to coast, women and men who have lost children to abortion are speaking out about its pain and devastation and about the healing and forgiveness they have found through the pro-life movement. Their witness is changing hearts and minds. Former U.S. Senator Zell Miller writes, The most poignant sight for me at this year's annual pro-life march and demonstration in Washington, D.C. was the large number of women holding signs saying they regretted their abortions. Celebrity Kourtney Kardashian says, I looked online and I was sitting on the bed hysterically crying, reading these stories of people who felt so guilty from having an abortion. I was reading these things of how many people are traumatized by it afterwards. Hey, friends, Father Frank Pavone here, director of Priests for Life. Uh, Check out silentnomore.com. It's a really beautiful campaign. And like I say, I'm privileged uh, worldwide to lead this, oversee this effort. And uh, Priests for Life helped co-found it together with Anglicans for Life. Uh, And these people are just sharing, changing so many hearts and minds, inspiring them to have confidence in the Savior as they uh, expose the horror of abortion and share how they how they were were ended up being deceived by it how they afterwards suffered and finally how they were led to the peace and salvation that we find in Christ so why is abortion issue number 1 morally speaking 
Because, brothers and sisters, as we've already seen, it's the foundation and prerequisite for every other right. It, nothing takes more life than abortion. No victim is more vulnerable and defenseless than the unborn child. There's a couple of other dimensions of this evil which cry out for giving it priority attention. Number one is that while it is bad enough that a violent act happen, there's plenty of violent acts that happen, but most of them are against the law. So you have the force of the law, both the teaching force and also the preventive and punitive force of the law, protecting those victims or potential victims. But what about when an act of violence is transformed in society from a crime into a right? And that the very powers of society that are meant to protect the victim and punish the victimizer are turned upside down and protect the victimizer and fail to protect the victim. That's exactly what's happened with abortion. It's been turned upside down. The, the force and purpose of law and government have been turned upside down so that now they protect the perpetrator and not the victim. To think of abortion as a right. Now, again, we've made a good change now recently in our nation of no longer recognizing abortion as a constitutional right. That was a mistake of Roe v. Wade. But it's still regarded in a lot of our laws and court decisions as a right. It's not a right. It's a crime. It's an act of violence. And so the fact that this has been inverted cries out for more help, more attention, more priority. It's poisoning our view of government and law. And then there's another dimension. It's bad enough if one person is killed by another. But what makes abortion even worse, the person doing the killing is the one to whom God most entrusts the protection of that person. It's being carried out by a member of one's own family it's being carried out by one's own mother. You see how this adds to the wrongness of what is done here. Again, any act of killing an innocent person is, is deeply wrong. But here you have an act of violence carried out within the family, within the very core of the most intimate human relationship, a mother and her own child. That adds a whole new dimension to the immorality, to the injustice of abortion. It is, in fact, the most unjust form of discrimination, furthermore. You know, it's wrong to discriminate against people based on the color of their skin, the accent with which they speak. Uh, it's wrong to discriminate a per, uh, against a person for any characteristic that you might identify that, with them. But in the case of abortion, a child is being discriminated against just by the very fact that they exist. Just by the fact that they exist, the child defined as unwanted by somebody's choice, and all of a sudden they have no rights. This is the most unjust form of discrimination. When it comes to electing candidates, as I said in the opening prayer, We've got to elect public servants who know the difference between serving the public and killing the public. If they don't know that difference, they don't belong in public office, shouldn't that be one of the very first requirements 
when we're evaluating somebody for public service, well, what are you going to do? You're going to serve us or you're going to kill us? Public service requires knowing the difference between serving and killing. Somebody ran up to me at a pro-life demonstration one time and said, uh, Father, if these politicians can't respect the life of a little baby, how are they supposed to respect mine and yours? And that's a good question for all of us to ask. Because if you can no longer respect the life of a little baby, what has happened to your conscience? Brothers and sisters, many of these reasons why abortion is, in fact, the primary issue can be seen in, and if you're a Catholic, you'll find these documents of particular interest. If you're not, you will still find them of interest. A gospeloflife.org, first of all, is a place where you can learn more about a document that Pope John Paul II wrote in 1995 called The Gospel of Life. And he makes in there some of the same points that I have just been explaining. And he makes the further point that because a democracy is meant to be the place where people's equal rights are protected, as we have on our Supreme Court, equal justice under law, because the weak are to be protected from the strong, and that's a fair expectation to have when you're in a community, when abortion is legalized by a state, you have violated the very purpose of democracy, the very nature of freedom. It is the death of true freedom. John Paul writes in this document, is a marvelous analysis of what legalizing abortion does to a state. In fact, he says that when this happens, when a state legalizes the killing of a baby and therefore violates the fundamental notion that everyone should have equal protection, everyone's life should be safe, whether you're weak or strong, whether you're friends or enemies, he said the disintegration of the state itself has begun. And he says that state becomes a tyrant state. I hold that there's nothing more un-American than abortion because our founders came here to escape tyranny and to establish a government based on the self-evident truth that we have the right to life from God and that governments exist to secure that right, exist to secure it, that they don't have the authority to take it away that they don't have the ability to deny it, that the state doesn't have the right to authorize the killing of a child. Brothers and sisters, this is big. This is fundamental. When the, when, 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 when the Pope makes this analysis that it's the death of true freedom, the undermining of true democracy, and the disintegration of the state, that doesn't sound to me like it's just talking about one issue. It sounds like the whole foundation of civilization. And in fact, it is. In fact, it is. This is why the United States bishops, and this is another website that you may want to look at, gospeloflife.net, is about another document called Living the Gospel of Life. So in 1995, John Paul wrote The Gospel of Life. 1998, the U.S. bishops wrote Living the Gospel of Life. And they make a powerful statement there that when American political life becomes an experiment on people rather than by them and for them, it will no longer be worth conducting. And they said we are arguably moving closer to that day. That's what abortion does. 
Now it's an experiment on people. Now it's an experiment by which we declare, as Roe v. Wade declared, thank God now it's overturned, but it said that the word person does not include the unborn. Why are we not including? The idea is to increase our inclusion in the equal protection under law of the people that belong in our country. Brothers and sisters, the these two documents will help you understand the things that I've just been articulating. And finally, the example that the uh, bishops in Living the Gospel of Life use is the example of a house. It says there are many parts to a house. You have the walls, the windows, the roof, the, 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 the connecting beams. But it's the foundation on which everything else rests. And it says if the different parts of the house can be considered as the different issues about which we have to be concerned, the foundation is the right to life. Abortion attacks the foundation. Without getting that right, the whole house will collapse. Again, because of the interconnection of rights that I explained at the beginning. If we can't get the right to life secure, advancing other human rights, advancing other causes of justice, will fail. We'll be building on quicksand. In fact, John Paul, to go back to him, said in another document that politicians who cry out for human rights, rightly so, whether the right to health care, we hear that phrase coming out of the mouths of the Democrats, for example, or any other rights, the advocacy of those rights is false and illusory. Those are her, his words. False and illusory if the right to life is not defended with maximum determination. Why? Because that right is the condition for all the rest. And furthermore, if in fact you advocate for the right to health care, but also advocate for the right to kill those babies in the womb, then you're saying the right to health care, which you're calling a human right, is for some human beings and not for all. And therefore you contradict yourself. How can it be a human right if some humans are excluded from it? Well, friends, there's a lot more to talk about, but someone did ask the question the other day, how do you explain, how do you teach on the fact that the number one voting question really is the protection of life, really is, Therefore, abortion, because that is the issue that is most directly attacking the very right to life itself. A lot of other things lead to the death of people, but this one is attacking that fundamental right. Friends, this is one of the ways we explain it, what I have been talking to you about here. Final example that I use, if a candidate came along and said, I support terrorism. I think the terrorists have a right to do what they did. Would anybody say to that candidate, well, I disagree with you on terrorism, but what's your health care plan? They would not say that. Nobody would ever say that. You don't just disagree on terrorism. You stop it and you protect the victim. I disagree on terror. Well, what's your health care plan? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever, to be concerned about an issue and not to be concerned about the foundation, the heart, the soul, the core of that issue, the core of every issue. Human life is sacred. Human life must be protected 
And no person and no government is ever authorized to take that right away. Well, God bless you, friends, for listening. Let's go back to prayer. Lord, bless each of our viewers. Bless their needs. Bless their families. Bless and give them all they seek from you, Lord God. And Lord God, bless America. Continue to make us fervent and active citizens to advance the good of this nation. And help us, Lord God, to serve you above all. And we join together all our prayers and praises in offering the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Friends, gospeloflife.org, gospeloflife.net. Check those out. You'll see the documents. You'll see study guides on those documents. And prolifevote.com, of course, our overall election website uh, that will help you to uh, prepare even more effectively for these midterm elections. Thank you for joining me. And uh, continue to join us each night on Praying for America. And please connect with me on social media at FR Frank Pavone. You can see the uh, address there on the screen, uh, Truth Social, and all the other platforms. Connect uh, with Right Side Broadcasting as well at RSB Network. Thanks again for watching. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.